What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Hello, TDN Fantasy fam. It's Paige Demakos from the Draft Network. Before jumping in to talk football, I wanted to take a moment to educate our listeners on some resources that might be helpful during this trying time for our country. I know many of you are looking for answers, and I know I am too. That's why I reached out to some good friends and asked, what can I do? The following places are places you can donate to help fund racial justice in the United States. Reclaim the Block, Campaign Zero, Unicorn Riot, and Black Visions Collective. All of these organizations are focused on investing in communities exposing root causes of social issues, and finding policy-based solutions to help end police brutality. This is a time for us to band together and ask, how can I help? All of these organizations will be linked in the bio description of this podcast. And if you have any further questions, please feel free to reach out to myself, Jake, or Jamie. Lastly, I ask all of you to start with listening. Start with understanding Start with compassion and lead with love. This nation can and will be better in the future if we all rise up and start saying, this can't happen here anymore. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are finishing, we've gotten to the finish line of our draft review and looking at Each and every pick that went through this 2020 draft class, we're ending on the NFC West on a high note, a good, very, very good and competitive division as we head into the 2020 season. And we'll take a look. The Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, see what we liked, what we didn't like. And as always, ask the guys for their draft grades. So, Jamie, we're going to kick things off here with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, listen, not a lot of picks here to evaluate, right? So it it makes it a little bit easier, but what happened here is obviously we know that there's a little bit of movement, um, with San Francisco and and Tampa Bay. And obviously they took what they had and and got some, some positions of need. So they go Javon Kinlaw at 14, Brandon Ayuk, a local kid that we're aware of, uh, out of ASU, Charlie Warner in, in <laughs> forks up as Jamie's showing out for pride, uh, round six. So they go two first round picks and then they don't pick the sixth or seventh round. Right. So they go Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and Charlie, Charlie Warner and Juwan Jennings. Right. So 
Jamie, your overall thoughts here on what San Francisco did coming off of obviously a Super Bowl appearance and a lack of a ton of draft capital here. Yeah, they did the thing I like to do in like Madden franchise mode where make sure you load up on those first round picks and you can move those middle round picks. You're fine because all the talents in the first. Uh, I like what they did here. I mean, uh, we started talking leading up to the draft. and There was a lot of talk about them taking a wide receiver at 13. Uh, and then we started as we got within the week of the draft. I think we discussed this on the show and a few others did as well about, you know, that Javin, Javin Kinlaw, if he gets by the Jags at nine, you know, he could be a very interesting player for them. Have them come in continue to bolster that defensive line after getting that pick because you moved to Forrest Buckner to Indianapolis. Uh, I think he's a great fit there. And if you don't know his backstory, I believe Jordan Reed uh, wrote about it for draftnetwork.com. Please go look that up. It's an, it's an excellent written, excellently written story. Uh, and you'll find out why you should be rooting for, whether you like the Niners or not, why you should be rooting for Kinlaw on Sundays. But I like the fit there. You know, Brendan Ayuk, I thought was a little higher than I thought he would go. I thought he would be one of those very, very top of day two guys where Higgins and, and Pittman Jr. ended up going. Uh, I, I like it. I don't know if he's a, a game-breaking type of player for them, but they don't necessarily need that in the way they run their offense. Uh, I, I like his size. I like his, I like his hands. He's going to get some work there right away alongside Debo Samuel and Kittle and company there. Uh, so I like those two picks. You know, Juwan Jennings, again, value in the seventh. Again, I don't know when you're going to see him on the field, but I like the value pick there in the seventh. So with their limited draft capital, but two first-round picks, I think they did a pretty good job. Although I know there's some that were hoping that maybe they would get an elite, one of the elite wide receivers in the class, but I don't think you can argue with the Kinlaw pick at 13 or 14 where they move back. No, I mean, John Lynch just proves why he's one of the best general managers in football again. Now, the Bucks kind of got killed because they moved up one spot and they had to get that right tackle and the fourth best being on the board. Well, you're hearing all these rumors about San Francisco and Joe Staley might retire. He does the next day. They end up with Trent Williams. Phenomenal. They moved back with the Bucks, and they still get Kinlaw, and they still get Ayuk. I love Ayuk in their offense. They run a lot of misdirection stuff. He's great run after the catch. Had a huge average per catch in college. I mean, he just went deep all the time. So they've lost Marquise Goodwin. I think he can replace that. Uh, and he fits really what they do very well to me. I, I think he's a, he's a plug-and-play guy. He's pretty polished um, for what they want to do. I like Jawan Jennings late. He's probably a, more of a third-round talent. This receiver class was just loaded. He had some stuff going on in Tennessee, but he's a solid player. And John Lynch did it again. Plus, when you go to the Super Bowl, if you have 10 picks, four of those, five of those guys aren't making your team because you got to restructure whatever. But you move on from Armstead, or you, you keep Armstead, you move on from Buckner, get the first-round pick, you replace that with Ken Law. Your salary cap is set. You only had to pay one of those guys. Solomon Thomas they took really high after they moved back from – Chicago in that trade they're going to have to move on from that they didn't pick up his option so your defensive line is still the best in football they they're just phenomenal and I, I love what they did John Lynch just continues to amaze me and been doing this very long guys no every no. year he makes moves he's got brass balls he's not afraid to throw stuff out there and make his team better and their, their salary caps in great shape and, you know he has help with that but he's done a hell of a job to become a GM I'm a big fan yeah and I think obviously got to mention the fact and Jake you you did quickly that you know they trade a fifth overall pick for Trent Williams right so Joe Taylor retires and you upgrade like how yeah. does that happen 
Yeah, it's it's obviously got to play a part in this discussion because they give up very little draft capital there and and cement a exceptionally important position on the field. Uh, so I know that it's not technically a draft pick, but when you talk about giving up a fifth rounder when a month prior to the draft, the conversation was around first or, you know, a day one, day two pick for sure, you know, John Lynch, that's that's a that's a serious move. That's a huge move for that football team, and it plays a factor here when you're overall looking at and evaluating what they did during the draft because it happened on Saturday during the draft. So, Jake, overall draft grade when you look at uh, what they did? Probably be a plot. B. I'd love to give them an A. I don't know that they had enough picks, enough impact stuff, but, I mean – they're loaded everywhere. They're really good. You throw the Trent Williams thing in with this. I got to give him at least an A minus. I'll give him a B plus because it was technically only the four picks. But I mean, look, there's not a lot of teams when you're talking about Trent Williams that can afford to make the trade because their salary caps couldn't do it. Talk about a team that went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's loaded that had enough cap space to be able to make this work. Now they still got to pay Kittle, and apparently he's wanting more than top tight end money, and he's going to get it. But I, they're just in great shape. I got to give him a B plus. No solid. Yeah, no, I, I agree. B plus and A minus if you get to consider Trent Williams in the equation. Uh, they did Again, we talked about this a lot on the NFC South show with like what Tampa did, where sometimes you have to look at the overall talent of the class, and then sometimes you have to look at, did they address the specific needs that they needed to fix going in? And that's what San Francisco did. They came out of the draft with a new tackle to replace their retired tackle, a new defensive tackle to replace the player that they traded, and then the, number two, the new number two wide receiver that they need to add to the roster. Like, so at that point, mission accomplished. Yeah, good way, good synopsis of what the San Francisco 49ers did. And, oh, by the way, they're coming off a Super Bowl appearance. So things looking looking bright for the San Francisco 49ers. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, who I know we've talked about this roster at length. And Seattle, as I was researching and looking back at the draft, the, the headline was the Seahawks Seahawk again for this draft. Uh, and it has become a reoccurring theme where in the first round, even in the second round, you're looking and you're seeing the pick and you're going, ah, re- okay. I mean, I guess maybe something that everybody else doesn't know, but they, the collective group in Seattle hasn't been hitting on a lot of these first round guys. Uh, they haven't had anybody make it to the fifth round, uh, to uh, the fifth year of their contract in a while. It's, it's, it's interesting. So they go Jordan Brooks. Uh, that was their first round pick, number 27. It's a linebacker from Texas Tech. They go Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis, Colby pa- uh, Parkinson, DJ Dallas, Al- Alton Robinson, Freddie Swain, and Steven Sullivan, right? So this is a team that has a lot of holes. We've talked about it, that Russell Wilson makes up for the fact that a lot of the, a lot of the guys on this roster aren't necessarily very good. Uh, so, Jake, when you look at what Seattle did, is are you excited about anything here? Because they had decent draft capital, but nothing really jumps off the, the page to me. I'm excited they didn't trade their first-round pick. Yeah. Move back like, like they always do. Um, I like Brooks. Solid player. Big 12 linebacker. Apparently you can run because you're, all you're doing is covering people and running sideline to sideline in the Big 12. Uh, it was interesting. To me, I mean, you're pretty loaded at middle linebacker. Bobby Wagner is the best in football. K.J. Wright's pretty damn good. I think they learned last year that those guys have injuries. They make up for so much. When one of them goes down, they can't, yeah, they can't make up for it. But you still lack pass rusher. Clowney's still not signed. He's not back with you. 
Uh, your interior defensive line is okay. Your secondary is pretty weak. I don't know that they got that much better with this draft class. I mean, they added a, a, a bunch of capital. The, the thing I'll say about them is they're always good because Pete coaches them up. He hires good coaches, and those coaches get the most or more than the most out of what those players are capable of, and that's why they're good. Russell Wilson makes up for 80% of the mistakes that anybody else makes, but was it exciting? No, it was, it was okay. But I don't – I mean, you took a guy in the first round that's going to back up one of those two linebackers. To, yeah, to me, it, who's he playing over? Yeah, well, that's, that's why I look like the dichotomy the of their first two picks here with Jordan Brooks and Daryl Taylor. Like, Brooks is a safe, two-down, solid tackler, great run defender kind of guy that's okay. But is that worthy of a first-round pick on a team that already has a pretty solid depth at middle linebacker? I mean, I guess maybe you could play on the strong side, but eh. And then Daryl Taylor, who is an athletic freak, who is just completely physical but completely unproven in pass coverage, completely unproven as a run defender. So it's just like – so that they took a, a project in the second round and they took a safe but limited upside guy in the first round. Just This is what they mean by a, a, the Seahawks Seahawking again. Um, I, I, it's hard to say they had a, a bad draft. I just think they, a lot of times they limit their own upside, either by going too safe or going too risky. Uh, and giving themselves not – they don't give themselves an opportunity to best succeed. You know, DJ Dallas is interesting. I think there's possibility he gets some work early in the season, a uh, brief a little, a little bit of work when Penny is out. But uh, I think he's more of a long-term play. I, I don't know. It's just – it's to me, I look at this. I don't – do you see a starter uh, on this? I mean, they took what, three, three, four, six, eight players? Do you see a starter anywhere on this, even in year two? I, I'm no, not so sure I do. Even in the first two a seasons. lot of special teams, guys. Yeah. And they're not salary cap killed. That's, that's what – to me – I would have rather seen them take a flyer on one of the most explosive skill players on offense yeah. in the first round pick, even though they might not need that with Russell. Load that up or take take a flyer on like off, they still need offensive line help. Like there's other stuff. I mean, I no, I don't to answer your question, Jamie. No, I don't see a start. They took a bunch of backup special teams guys. They're gonna help their cap in the long run. They're gonna take some veterans places. But I don't know that that's really what your draft is for, especially if you finally stay in the first round. I would have liked to see them take at least one impact player there, first or second. Yeah, I think it would have been fun for us to have them go with one of the, you know, available wide receivers or impact players there at 20. Just just make make that offense more interesting, right? Like Something I mean, like this, like DK Metcalf's on the outside. You could move Tyler Lockett back in the slot. slot. I think he'd just be insane at it. And maybe yeah. you take T. Higgins. Do you need him? No, but you just added a 6'4 dude with a 7-foot wingspan catch radius sure. to go on the other side of the monster DK Metcalf, and now Tyler Lockett can go crazy in the slot, i.e. Doug Baldwin for all those years while Russell's moving around. To me, that makes more of an impact yeah. when you're going to have to either come from behind to win or outscore people because your defense still isn't that good. That would have made more sense. I would have loved to see them do that. To me, that would just I'd, – I'd have more faith in that. To me, this is like a future help the cap, bunch of special teams guys, guys we can coach up blah yeah which sucks because you're talking about the the prime of russell wilson's it's career kind of like the rest of the roster yeah I, I just i don't get the i don't get that mentality when you have a quarterback like russell wilson in his prime that's what doesn't make sense to me and it seems like we've had now 
four years basically of of meh drafting and it's finally catching up with them and Russ is just a freak of nature there I mean it, we've talked about it at length that this roster is just man oh man they he makes up for a whole lot so Jamie I know we talked about it, it seems like we're all kind of in agreement that it's not a bad draft but it's also not a great draft so are you landing somewhere in the middle of for a draft grade yeah, I mean, they, they get a C. I mean, again, the depth is going to matter. It's going to help them at some point, but they don't have any impact players. Um, and, and to your point, like, if we start to look back at what this regime over time has done, particularly in the first round between trading picks right and having it, I mean, let's go back to, you know, if, if we go back to the post-Okung Earl Thomas draft, which was clearly two major hits in the top 15 in 2010. You go James Carpenter in 2011, uh, the, the Alabama guard. You go Bruce Irvin in 2012. You don't pick in the first round in 2013, 14, or 15. Jermaine Effetti in 2016, nothing in 2017, and the last three picks of Rashad Penny, LJ Collier, and Jordan Brooks. I mean, I mean, aside from Bruce Irvin, from a brief standpoint, that's but that was really 2012, their, right? And that was 2012. Yeah. You're looking at a, a run of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten drafts with really without an impact first round pick. I just that's like that's it's amazing they've been able to sustain the success that they've had given that fact. Because they, and Russell Wilson gets a ton of credit, but that's still amazing. And they hit on a lot of third and fourths: the Richard Shermans, Cam yes. Chandlers, and Bobby Wagner makes up for the fact that they're Wagner, missing. He was a high draft pick early on, but I mean, like those guys were so good for so long. But yeah, Russell Wilson is making up for all of it. I mean, I got to go see. Yeah. Their special teams are always solid because they, they're good at this, right? They're good at those guys that they coach up. They like those yeah. long DBs. They fit. They, they're good in special teams because of that. And that makes them hard to beat. But it, it all comes down to Russell Wilson at this point. I would have loved to have seen them either get help on the offensive line or give him another weapon. You can't have too many when that's your quarterback. Yeah. Look, the, the Seahawks, they have an elite quarterback, an elite quarterback of the defense, and really good coaching. That makes up for a lot. But it's kind of, but that rest of the roster is limiting, and it's why they don't have multiple rings on their fingers. Yeah, no. it's, it's as simple as that. No, that's exactly right. I would have much rather have seen them give give Russ somebody somebody to make that offense even more explosive, especially when you're talking about this division specifically, and and what the Cardinals are going to potentially be able to do, and what the Rams have done in the past, and now playing against San Francisco. I mean, it's a very good division, so I it'll be interesting moving forward. Uh, let's look at the Rams. Obviously, we've talked about uh, teams that don't have first round picks. Uh, this is another team, no first round picks for the. LA Rams, but two second rounders and two third rounders. So they go running back Cam Akers, wide receiver Vance Jefferson in round two, then Terrell Lewis, Terrell Burgess, Bryson Hopkins, Jordan Fuller, Clay Johnson, Sam Sloman, Tremaine Akram. So listen, a lot of what this team was two seasons ago when they were really, really good and made that Super Bowl appearance, and even more so the year before that, is not there anymore. This is a different looking team. Uh, their MVP running back, Todd Gurley, no longer there. Uh, Brandon Cook's gone. You know, Clay Matthews gone. Multiple other defensive players off of this Dante Fowl. I mean, this, this is a different team now. So running back, wide receiver, linebacker, safety, tight end, obviously adding to this team because they have holes. Jake, do you like what they did considering the fact that they didn't have a first-round pick as we've talked about uh, for that trade that, you know, we can still look back at because they're going to miss out on a first rounder next year too and and say yeah it probably didn't work out but for now evaluate what we have in front of us 
if they can get Jalen Ramsey signed without absolutely killing the rest of their cap, I got to give them props, man. Less need. I don't know how they're going to crawl out of this hole. And they're not out of it, but they're doing a decent job. I like the draft. I love the first four picks. Cam Akers is 85% of Todd Gurley. When Todd's healthy, he's probably better than Todd right now because he's healthy, catches it well, bigger dude, physical. Uh, I love Lewis in the third round. I like Van Jefferson, too. I mean, it's another receiver they're going to add to that offense that they're going to be able to move. But to add a pass rusher, a young guy from Alabama, has had some injury stuff, but was a potential first-round pick we talked about. wouldn't surprise us if anybody took a flyer on him late in the first to get him later. Uh, I like what they did. Uh, they, to me, they got impact players, mm-hmm. and they definitely did it in the first three or four picks. First four, really, um, much more so than Seattle, and they didn't have a first-round pick to do it. So I, I really like what they did. Yeah, I agree. I, I was really happy with it. From a fantasy perspective, Cam Akers is going to be very interesting. Uh, I don't think by any means that Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson and John Kelly and those company have the lockdown on that spot. And I think there's a really good chance that Cam Akers is going to be that lead back very soon. You know, even if, it's, if it might not be week one, but, not, but we're not talking week 10 either. It's probably somewhere like early in, or I should say late in September, early mid-October, I think he could take over there. You know, Van Jefferson's a very interesting player. Uh, I, I He can... He talk about a guy that can run many different routes, can run, can play inside and outside. I mean, his film is really, really exciting. And it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy this offense this year because we've heard a lot about them running more two tight end sets with Everett and Higby. Uh, at that point, you're going to have Woods, who never leaves the field, and then Cooper Cup. Uh, and seeing how that offense kind of operates in that scenario, where does Josh Reynolds fit in? How does, uh, how does Van Jefferson fit in as a rookie? Because there's a lot of pieces there now, a lot of young pieces that, that are pretty exciting. Like Jake said about Terrell Lewis, a guy that could have snuck in the back end of the first round, and if it didn't work for his injury history, would have been a, a clear first-round pick. That's a great pick by them. And Terrell Burgess could make an impact at the safety spot as well, which is a spot they're a little bit thinner in now than they were the last couple of years. So I, I don't know how you can complain about this draft. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. And given their offseason, again, there's still, there's still some roster concerns here, and the rest of the, and the Cardinals are coming up behind them. But given the just absolute cap hell that they were in, late last season and in, in beginning of this offseason, you have to commend them for at least they've dug themselves, not out of it, but they can see the surface from where they are. And it's going to take some other work and it's going to probably have another playoff list season to get there. But there's now at least a path to success given that Jared Goff plays better. None yes. of this matters if Jared it Goff is. continues to play like he did last year. Then all of a sudden you're just figuring out when the wins the quickest you can get out of his contract. But if he could take some a little bit of steps forward, he's not going to look like the, the quarterback we saw for that eight-week stretch one time. But if he can be somewhere between that and what we saw last year, they can, they can get themselves back into playoff contention by next season. Jamie, I'm, I'm with you because I think this team, when we looked at what Seattle did versus what L.A. did, right, it was dramatically different. I think we just looked at two back-to-back teams and a team that didn't have first-round capital but was able yeah. to do that, was able to bring in impact players. And to your point about – being able to crawl out of the hole, right? I think the biggest issue and for them was we were looking at Brandon Cooks and we were looking at Todd Gurley and we were looking at all of these contracts going, how, the, how the hell are you going to pay? J-? They couldn't pay Jalen Ramsey the way that the contract with the way that they were currently constructed. So yes, they're eating money on Todd Gurley, but they moved on, right? Yes. They're eating some money on the Brandon Cooks stuff, but they moved on. And, and they're, they're like, they're like peeking out of the tunnel, right? They're not out of the, they're not out. They can see a little bit of the light and hopefully soon they're able to, to get themselves out of there. But it's completely contingent, as you said, on Jared Goff being a completely different quarterback. Absolutely. So Jamie, overall draft grade for the LA Rams. 
Uh, I give them a B plus. Um, and if you consider, if you're grading on a scale, if they don't have a first round pick and we don't count that, then they get an A. Because uh, I thought they had probably the best draft you could expect them to have, given the fact they didn't pick in the top 32. I got to agree with Jamie. I mean, I give them an A if you take away the first round pick, you know, B plus. I don't know how they could have done any better. We just compared them to Seattle, who had no starters and eight picks. I think they've got potentially three or four of their first four picks, and it was all done in the second round, third round. Uh, so I, I love what they did. And you go back to when we previewed them, guys, we were talking about how the hell are they going to get out of this salary cap death that they're in. We didn't think anybody was taking a, a trade partner for Gurley or a trade partner for Cooks. They got rid of both of them. Yeah, they got to eat a little money, but they got like, what, the third richest owner in the league who said, I'll pay it? I mean, and now they're going to be okay. They're, they're a couple years away, but this was a hell of a start to getting back. I love what they did. I love the guys that they took. Yeah, if you're a Rams fan, I think you have to be excited because, man, it was looking pretty bleak there for a while, uh, yeah. looking, at, looking at trying to, to look at that cap situation and figure out how the hell are we going to make this work? It really, really was, um, you know, still to be determined because there are things that need to continue to happen. And it, I, I agree with Jamie. It's probably a year of not making the playoffs again before you're going to really have an opportunity to bounce back. But we'll see. This is a tough division, man. These teams are all really, really good. Uh, and and we've, we've ended with the last two teams here. We're going to finish with the Arizona Cardinals, a team that's definitely on the rise, you know, a team that played everybody hard, including the San Francisco 49ers twice last year down to the wire. Made some made some good picks here. Uh, so we'll go we'll go through here at, at in round one, pick eight. They go Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson. They don't have a second round pick, but that's because you know DeAndre Hopkins. So yeah, it's reasonable. It's that's fair. A, a plus. I think he's better than whoever else you would have gotten there. A plus on the draft class based off of that. Uh, round three, Josh Jones, tackle from Houston. Uh, Lekai Fotu, I think is how we say it, defensive tackle from Utah, Rashad Lawrence, Evan Weaver. And then what a shock to me to get Eno Benjamin at round seven. And I think a, a, a hell of a pick for them because I know Eno, he's a character, like the, up, like the best kid. He was unbelievable junior season, came back and had a pretty decent season at ASU. But I think for them, this is an ideal scenario when you talk about a, a kid that's really well-liked in the market, already established as an ASU player that everybody has grown to love and know, and you get him in the seventh round. Uh, a, a really, really good one. I evaluated some of the best picks later on. This was one of those ones for a lot of reasons that I thought made a lot of sense. So, Jake, we know this team very well. We're obviously all here out in Arizona. I liked what they did, but I'm still – I still haven't bought myself into Isaiah Simmons in eight. I still I, – I refuse to think that taking – as good as Simmons is, and he's a hell of a player, that you didn't bookend your tackles there at eight. And I – I know Simmons is a hell of a player. I say it all that to say if I was the GM, I wouldn't have taken Simmons. I would have taken a tackle to protect my young rookie quarterback. Yeah, I go back to Jedrick Wills was my guy for them there. True right tackle. <sighs> He's going to be playing left now, but just an absolute dog. And you bookend tackles that are both under 25 with your young quarterback because you're going to have to outscore people to win. And this offense is going to be ridiculous. Now, I love what they did with Josh Jones being there in the third. So if you're going to take Simmons and you're going to come back and get Josh Jones in the third, who I didn't think was anyone hell he was going to be there then, uh, I love that. Foto, the Bucks loved. A bunch of teams I talked to loved. The dude was a freak. 
run stop and machine, big athletic guy, Utah defensive tackle. They need serious interior defensive line help. Uh, so I love that. I don't know how, you know, Benjamin didn't have more hype coming into this draft undersized, but he plays so damn hard. He wasn't hurt character guy. Like I love that. And this backfield is far from being settled. They gave Ken and Drake money. They love chase Edmonds. This is another guy that can play for them. That does a lot of different stuff. Uh, I love, I love their off season. I love the draft. My only thing with Isaiah Simmons is I don't like what I've heard coming out of Cardinals camp about he's going to just play weak side linebacker. Yeah, I don't like that either. No, he's Tyron Matthew in a giant oh. body. Play yeah. him all over the place. Where he, he can't, you can't take him at eight and him just be a 4-3 linebacker. They're not that multiple anymore. They don't go from Todd Bowles' defense to 3-4, 4-3, four, four, where you can play all over the place. If you're going to take him at eight, he's got to be that guy that's a disruptive force everywhere for you. Or you take Jedrick Wills and you just lock up that offensive line for a long time. I still give them an A plus because if you look at their second round pick, when my dad was at the Bucks and they <laughs> traded Chandler Jones, they traded a second round pick for Chandler Jones. He goes, no, no, no. Our second round pick was Chandler Jones. This was a phenomenal draft. So if you look at it from like that, you, I love it either way because I do think Josh Jones, you go look at his senior bowl. He was phenomenal. He came yeah, he out was. of nowhere and was just kicking people's asses in pass protection. So I think he's going to be able to play, but he's a little bit raw. He's not Jedrick Wills. That dude is a right as a right tackle. I just think he would have brought an emphasis that would have helped DJ Humphrey's mentality. Be a dog. Be a yeah, dog. Just be yeah. that. Just yeah. That to me, that makes them better. I love Isaiah Simmons. I think he's going to be great for them. I love. They got a lot of guys that are going to help. To me, they got to outscore people. But this team is going to be really, really fun. And I hope Isaiah Simmons can play all over the place. Yeah, that's that's that skill set. That's kind of the qualifier here for me is like, I, I like everything that they did. I especially like that you get value at the end of the draft. They address positions of need, but if you're going to have Simmons on your roster, Jamie, you got to let him play to his strengths. And I assume it's just a smoke screen. I assume we're just getting camp pre Kind of though, but go back and look at Vance's defenses. They're, they don't blitz. Yeah, that's true. They're not very multiple. Now he's, they got to blitz him. He's just an absolute freak. <laughs> But yeah. to, before Jamie jumps in, I want to hear your – I want I got a question for you, Jamie. If you're the freaking Cardinals and you played the 49ers as good as anybody last year, how do you beat them? To me, it's Jedrick Wills, not Isaiah Simmons. That's I agree. And this, this whole conversation, is, it's not so much about the player, it's about the fit. And it's about the, it's about the team need. And look, you saved this a little bit by getting Josh Jones, who some thought might even go at the end of the first round uh, in the third round. So you give yourself at least a guy that maybe by next year, you can look at competing heavily for a starting spot. Uh, But I, I, I'm with you. I, I go with the, the big, I go with Wills here. Like you, you finally kind of bookend your tackles. You signed DJ Humphreys to an extension in the off season. And you're basically saying we are building this team from our quarterback out we we they literally risked it all to take kyler murray last year like we need to remember what were people saying about steve kime 18 months ago oh and i think the transformation in what is the what this team looked like and and the things that they were saying about kime then to now are night and day and part and a big reason for that is a kyle murray did look good they were able to make the trade for hopkins and they've been able to make these moves again there's nothing wrong with isaiah simmons the player i just don't think that a, in Vance Joseph defense, he'll be used to his fullest extent. And B, you had another pressing need that you could have filled right away for the next 15 years that would have helped your franchise quarterback. You just brought in a superstar receiver. You just signed who you think is going to be your superstar running back based on those handful of games last season. Things were finally starting to become together on offense at the same time. And then you can pick and choose what you do on the defensive side. 
again, I don't dislike the player. I just don't know if that, that's, that's not the pick I would have made there at eight. Uh, I like that they came back with Josh Jones. Again, I like the Evan Weaver and you know, Benjamin Later, good, really two really solid picks that could, that could make an impact. Benjamin should, could really well make this roster. I mean, right now, the, the battle oh, for the running back. Team. Yeah. yeah, like the, the battle for the third running back shot thought is like him and DJ Foster. So, I mean, he's going to make this team, barring something weird happening. So, uh, and I think Evan Weaver will as well. So, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. I wouldn't, I would have gone tackle there. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to like crucify them for it, but. I just, that's not the move I would have made. I don't think that was the most conducive to getting to where they want to go, which is being a perennial playoff contender pretty quickly. Um, I still think this is a team that could flirt with eight wins this year, uh, but I, I, again, I just would have rather had a tackle because it's not even, this is going to come across, I'm pausing because it's going to come across as a criticism of Isaiah Simmons, and I don't mean it this way, but if you're going to take a defender there over your, uh, somebody that you believe could be your future tackle for the next 10 years, you better be damn sure that it's a player that, you, that is fits your system and that you're going to use and that is almost as can't miss as can be. And Isaiah Simmons has a, an unbelievably high ceiling, but he's got a fairly high bust rate for a top 10 defender. And, and that's my only concern here, that this is one of those cases where you were doing a lot of things right. Sometimes the safe meat and potatoes option would have been the best option here. And that's where I would have gone. Yeah, because basically right now you're saying all he's going to do is cover George Kittle, Greg Olson, and Higby. I mean – that's Which nice. they were the worst of the NFL at covering a tight end last year. They yeah. got better, but he's so much more dynamic than that. I think they're yeah. going to blitz him. They're probably going to have to blitz more than they have in the past, but he's not going to be covering slot receivers. You know, some of the weird stuff that he did because he, he was able to do that in college. Yeah, you can get away I don't with know, that there. But I mean, I don't, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, to me, to me, Wills was the beaten potatoes safer option, but I don't know that it doesn't have more upside as well. I just – I When you look at this team, right, like I, I kept telling Cardinal fans, I get it because a lot of Cardinal fans were more excited about this. And I, I get it's sexier and splashier because it's a linebacker and the player he was and where he played and, and how he many – had all people, that hype. Yeah. Hey, it tons of hype and you all knew who, where he played and you watched a ton of him in college football. But the reality is that your team, like we talked about, the identity of this football team is not the defense. It's Cliff Kingsbury, it's this offense, it's Kyler Murray. And for me, I thought this was an easy. I thought this was a layup. I'm looking at eight and I'm going, this is a I'm I can't get that card in fast enough because it is it is it is imperative that you protect your small, young quarterback, right? He took we, a lot of sacks. He took a lot of sacks he won, last he year. Well last year, but because look, Sean Kugler is one of the best in the business. Their offensive line is going to be good every year because they are damn good coached. They are well coached by Cougs. But you can't – just – Jedrick Will is one of the best pure right tackles I've seen come out in a while. And it's not just the skill set. It's the mentality. Yeah. And the big games that he played in to bring that to a team that needs that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that Isaiah Simmons was the best defender they could have taken at that spot without maybe move down. I don't know. I still give him an A. Uh, I, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. Too. I don't want to get out of their draft without talking about Weaver. This dude was productive as hell at linebacker at Cal wearing like number 97 or some <laughs> random, whatever, just made tackles all over the place. Like 20 tackles a game kind of guy. Like he's nuts. He's going to be awesome on special teams. I think he makes the team. They're thin at linebacker. They had some really good play there last year at times, but I think he's another guy that kind of like Seattle did, but the Cardinals did it when you're supposed to. 
take a backup guy that's going to play special teams, that's going to make your team help that locker room culture, some of that kind of stuff. Uh, so I definitely want to mention him. I, I love, I love their draft. I, you can't because they got Jones. If they didn't get Josh Jones in the third, and they took Isaiah Simmons in the first, now this looks really scary. But I think they got a really athletic guy that's a little bit of a project. He's got a damn good offensive line coach that I think can get him ready to not be Jedrick Wills, but to be, but to be damn solid. And if Isaiah Simmons can be multiple and play all over the place, then it was an unbelievable home run of an offseason for them all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll see what ends up happening here. Like it, it, when that, when we talked about like possibilities at that pick, you know, if a player like Jeff Okuda fell, for example, then I think you go, you know what, as much as you like to tackle there, you can't let that kind of a player, especially considering you still have to figure out what you're doing with Patrick Peterson long-term, can't let a player like that go. I could have even understood a Derek Brown there just because of just the safety and just like, that's a dude that's going to be clogging up offensive lines for, 15 years if he stays healthy. Uh, I mean, so I get those picks. Nothing wrong with Simmons, and he could splash. He could, he could be that guy. It's just that, to me, when you had a, another very viable option at that pick, it's not like, well, he's the best guy available and we don't want to trade back. No, you had another very viable option at that pick at a position of need for you as you're, as you're building a young offense. I think I would have had them go there. But I still give them, you know, I give, still give them a, a solid B for the draft because I think that Josh Jones pick in the third could really save them. If he turns into a starter for them, that will make up for whatever they missed out there. If they didn't get him and they came out of this draft with really no other tackles, uh, I would have think I, I would have been a little bit more critical of the Isaiah Simmons pick. Now they didn't know they want to get Jones in the third round when they made it, but in retrospect, uh, at least gives them a little bit of a potential safety net at that position. Yeah, something else worth mentioning on Simmons is he's got to learn how to play that position. That's not what he played in college. He was really a strong safety that played in the box that then they did all kinds of stuff. Venable's defense is very multiple. They play a lot of men on the outside, and he played all over the place. That's not – he's going to have to learn to play that position. So there's going to be a learning curve there, especially on learning to play fast because you know what you're doing in the NFL, and that's how you splash. You're not going to splash a lot covering George Kittle. No. No. It's uh, – yeah, you're not going to splash very much. It, listen, it's a great – he's a great hell of a player. I'm excited for him. I just – I always I told Cardinal fans on Twitter, I'm gonna say it on the podcast, it's not what I would have done at eight. That's it. I, I think to me it was easy in my mind what the decision was. But listen, Josh Jones ends up being a hell of a player. This totality of this draft looks great. And yeah, I mean, you could have you could have missed on every pick here and you got DeAndre Hopkins for a second rounder, right? So at the end of the day, this draft was gonna look good to us no matter what happened, because the steal of the century happened in the free in the free agency period and the rest, the, the, the jokes continued. And uh, I think I saw a meme that Steve Kime was having a hot girl summer and it was the funniest I've laughed in a long time. Uh, it was a very, very good meme uh, that I'll have to find it and share with the uh, share with you guys, but parting thoughts. We've reached the end of the podcast. We reached the end of the series. If you haven't listened to all of our breakdowns, we went division by division. You can go back and listen to every single one. We did it the entire month of May. Uh, so go back on, on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcast and find those episodes. But Jamie, as always, final thoughts on today's pod. Yeah, I, we've talked about this a lot for both Western, Western versions of the divisions, but this is a really strong division. Uh, it's not the best in football, but I do think there's a very good chance that the worst team is maybe a seven and nine. Uh, I think they're gonna, all these games are always hyper-competitive anyway. They always, these teams always tend to play well in the opposing team stadium inside the division. It seems to happen more often than not, and I imagine it's going to happen again this year. Uh, I'm just really excited to see how 
all this plays out because you're looking at a San Francisco team that looks absolutely loaded, but we know what the history looks like of teams trying to get back to Super Bowl after losing. This Arizona Cardinals team is really exciting and they're ascending, but they still have a lot of defensive holes that make you wonder if this team is going to be more flash as they progress in year one than be a team that's really going to do much damage outside of just being a dynamic offense. You know, Seattle is going to be the Russell Wilson show again and seeing whether DK Metcalf and, and company can, can splash. And then the Rams are going to look a lot different. Uh, I, I, they, got, they got punched in the mouth last year. They're sort of their coach. Uh, so we're, 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 I didn't hear a lot of talk this offseason about finding the next Sean McVay. Uh, considering that it dominated every conversation. Now, uh, let's see how he counterpunches. We talked about this late in the season. Uh, I'm not counting him out, but the league adjusted to him a bit, and the league absolutely adjusted to Jared Goff, and he did whatever he does. Uh, but w- what's the response now? Now that, as Jake has pointed out, now that your scheme isn't getting players open by 30 yards every other play, what do you counter with? What, what, did, what did you cook up this offseason, especially now that you don't have all those other veteran coaches that are coordinators around you anymore like you've had the last few years? What does he have in store for a team that's kind of in transition? So it's an extremely interesting division with each of the teams having a very dynamic storyline, and I'm really looking forward to them all getting on the field. Ultra competitive. Young offensive gurus, and then you got old Pete chewing that gum up there in Seattle saying, well, we're going to be right there with the guy I got playing quarterback. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I have a lot of faith in Sean McVay. I watched that Super Bowl run without Todd Gurley bringing in C.J. Anderson, go two tight ends and run it down your throat. Now that's when that offensive line was still playing together from those first couple years. But we watched that Monday night game with Jared Goff light it up against Kansas City. He was never the same. He wasn't the same last year. He wasn't the same the rest of that year going into the Super Bowl. But I've seen Sean McVay change things. I got some faith with the right players. I, 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 that's, I, I want, I'm good there. And I'm damn good with Kyle Shanahan. He's shown me enough. I can't wait to see what he comes up with, these new weapons. I'm really interested to see what this Arizona Cardinal offense looks like. Is it all swag and no substance? Or does Cliff Kingsbury, now that he's got – I mean, this, this should look pretty damn high-flying. But if you go four wides a ton, and you go three and out, three and out with a couple bad throws, and you're playing some of these teams with your defense bad, how do you counter that? I want to see what they come up with offensively. I, I got a lot of faith. I like, I like Cliff. I want to see them with this whole offseason after a full year of calling plays under his belt, and I know it was a good learning curve for him, what they come up with offensively, because I think they might do some stuff we haven't seen in a long time. Not that we've never seen, because nobody's reinventing the wheel in the NFL, but you can see some old Jim Kelly run and shoot kind of K-gun kind of stuff that I think could be really, really fun. But this day, because they're going to have to, to win this division. But this division is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the, we talked about the AFC West being really fun, and the and the NFC we, uh, NFC West is just as fun. The top of the, the top to the bottom, I think you're looking at both divisions could have a team that ends in the basement at seven and nine. Like Jamie was saying, there's a lot of intrigue when we're looking across this division. There's a lot of, you know, exceptional storylines as we head into this into this offseason. I think the the visual that Jake put into my head here with Pete chewing his gum. And the rest of these young guys, like it's kind of this funny, quirky division that has these young dudes. And then there's old Pete, right? And Petey's just going to be Pete. And he ain't going to change. Like, I love think it. Think about Seattle's defense. It doesn't get more simple. They, do, they are the most simple, do what they do, but they do it damn well than anybody. And Pete's Southern California. Pete ain't working 300 hours a week. Pete, we do what we do. We're going to go let Russell run around and be Russell. We're going to be solid on defense. While these other three guys don't sleep. These offensive young gurus are trying to reinvent the wheel and come up with everything else to beat Pete. It's a cool dynamic. I love that aspect of this division. 
Yeah, it, it is a cool aspect of this division. And listen, there are all these young quarterbacks, including Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a lot of excitement about everybody. But Russ is just sitting back going, y'all just trying to catch up with me because he's, he's on another level, and those guys got a long way to go before they're in the same breath as Russell Wilson. So this division's got, as I said, lots of intrigue, lots of good storylines for us to pay attention to. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and notice my new bio and new head. Uh, it's my first official day uh, as a full-time member of the Let's go. No. Off clap. Yeah. yeah. So uh, continue to follow. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fantasy, a lot of other content going up um, for me, from others. So it, it's going to be uh, – the season's going to be here before we know it. So uh, the fantasy dra- – I know we went through all the regular draft stuff, but the fantasy draft prep is, is beginning, and we're going to have some exciting things to, for you later this month and into July. Yeah. Very, very excited about that. Uh, as much as it, you know, I like to give Jamie a, a hard time. I'm very excited about him joining, joining the draft network. So everybody's all of the fans are going to get some unbelievable content, lots and lots to be excited about Jake. Uh, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B Arians on Twitter. And look, man, fantasy is going to be phenomenal this year. Cause if we're not going to games, we're still watching them. Oh, yeah. See, the TV rights are going to be maybe even cooler, but fantasy is going to be that much more important and that much more fun than it's ever been. It'll be here right before you know it. Yeah, we're definitely. And listen, it's, it's June 1. We'll blink our eyes and it'll be September 1 and we'll be ready to rock. So I know there's a, a, a lot of people that are desperate for anything uh, sports related at this moment in time. So uh, be sure to check out everything that we're doing. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye, both Twitter and Instagram, obviously follow at the draft network. You can see all of that fantasy content we were talking about and have a good rest of your Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.